you don't want the remorse of saying to yourself, you know, I really saw all this coming, but I didn't do anything. I didn't take any action. We think we just encourage you take action. It's actually a very easy process. Hey, my friends, you know, there are many of you interested in the world of finance. Little did I know, but we've got someone who we've had on a few times before. His name is Drew Mason. He's our partner over at St. Joseph's Partners, where uh, LifeSite readers have been directed to to be able to fulfill their needs for gold. And Drew explains to us the need for that. But something just happened. The United Arab Emirates made a record purchase of gold. I think it was like 75 tons from Russia. And so we're just going to find out what that's all about what's going on with the market volatility, and uh, all those kinds of things. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hey, friends. This July, we at LifeSite are celebrating 25 years of service to life, faith, family, and freedom with a gala in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So especially for those of you who couldn't join us in the United States, LifeSite is gathering our whole team and a few very special guests in the pro-life and pro-family movement for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at our newly announced 25th anniversary Canadian gala. LifeSite's star video reporter Jim Hale will be there with an on-stage special with the 16-year-old Canadian pro-family hero, Josh Alexander. Experience LifeSite's Faith and Reason show live with Father James Altman and Liz Yore. And you'll be able to interact with our reporters from all over the world, including U.S. Bureau Chief Doug Mainwaring, Canadian reporter Anthony Murdoch, and Rome correspondent Michael Haynes. You'll also hear keynotes from LifeSite co-founder Steve Jelsevac and myself. So RSVP for the 25th anniversary Canadian Gala now. And don't miss the opportunity to get a live, in-person, studio experience of LifeSite's top news show that broadcasts every Friday at 8 p.m., Faith and Reason. Seating is very limited, so RSVP and get your tickets today for LifeSite's 25th anniversary Canadian Gala in the beautiful Hilton Toronto Markham Hotel this July 18th. To buy tickets for the 25th Anniversary Canadian Gala, visit gala25can.lifesitenews.com. I look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Drew Mason, so good to be with you again. Thank you for having me, John Henry. Grace be Jesus. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Drew, just before we start, I wanted to say a big thank you. You're a sponsor for the Canadian Gala of LifeSite News, our 25-year celebration here in Canada. Um, thank you for that. Well, thank you, John Henry. And I want to say it has been a pleasure getting to know the LifeSite members and supporters. Our team has enjoyed working with these salt-of-the-earth people very much. And to encourage our fellow Canadians, um, to invest in the metals because we think it is a very prudent thing to be doing for any Canadians who open a retirement account ahead of the gala. Um, we will uh, compliment you with a dinner to come to the gala, meet the LifeSite team, and look forward to hopefully seeing you there. Absolutely beautiful. If you want to uh, make an investment into gold through 
the LifeSite News partnership with St. Joseph's Partners, please go and click the link uh, below this video and uh, that you can see on the screen here. So, Drew, tell us about this. What happened with United Arab Emirates and with this record purchase of gold? What's going on? I think there are a couple things investors want to really think about what this is saying. First of all, we see the UAE, and you were right, 75 tons of gold making this massive purchase as a vote with their wallets to decrease exposure to the dollar and currencies and to increase their exposure to physical gold. So as these planners, very powerful, obviously in the Mideast, look at the world, how it's unfolding. They are consciously deciding that even though they had a significant allocation of gold already, they want to increase it further based on risk reward and what they see. The other notable point of this is they chose not to buy the gold from a country that was aligned with the United States. They rejected the United States and deliberately went to a country that the White House is sanctioning. And they are buying it from Russia, making a clear statement as to where they're, uh, they're seeing uh, their um, alliances move in the future, as we're seeing repeated again and again throughout the world of nations voting to go with the BRIC nations um, and are rejecting the U.S. dollar and America's alliance. Hmm. Tell us what will that do? If And there's been a lot of talk about that already. You've discussed it here before. But what would happen if the reserve currency of the world moved away from the U.S. dollar, or even started to, as it seems to be right now, what then happens to the dollar and how does that affect gold? So we do have precedent for this in history, going back to the Portuguese escudo. And the most recent case was Great Britain in the 1800s. And so we know it's a finite amount of time throughout history when a currency unbacked as the dollar is ultimately loses its value and loses its place on the central stage. And that will be a game-changing moment for Americans. What we see again and again in history, whoever is benefiting the most from a paradigm is usually the last to see the change coming. And I think Americans are part and parcel for that today. We have so benefited by the unique role the dollar has had that we are really uh, oblivious to these changes and what it means. And we will no longer be able to just print money to buy assets from overseas. We'll have to earn that. And so what we see these central banks doing um, it, you know, diversifying away from dollars to gold is exactly the strategy we suggest families need to consider with urgency because we now have the majority of the central bankers in the world polled are stating as well that gold will become a more important reserve asset moving forward and dollars will become a less important asset. So for all the investors watching if you have, just think about the exposure you have to the dollar. And our recommendation is you want to diversify, have some metal. Gold, again, thrives. It has this beautiful, eight, uh, uncorrelated nature to stocks, bonds, and real estate. And that bodes well. Um, you know, so there's been some other major news that I think investors would want to be aware of, John Henry, since we last spoke. And what we saw was one of the world's largest mining companies, Newmont Mining, announced that they were shuttering their silver mine in Mexico over the um, disagreements with the government where Newmont no longer feels the government is honoring um, their agreements as they had originally um, 
you know, put in writing. And so we have in 2023, this situation where we were already going to see a record deficit in terms of silver production relative to demand as silver demand is exploding industrially. And now we have the second largest mine in the world and the largest silver mining jurisdiction taken out. So we continue to see the recurring theme where supply is pressured. Those are um, stories that are echoed by other large miners while demand is strong. Um, and we had another major data point just last week. Just, just to be clear before we go on from there, when supply is short and shorthand, that drives the price up of the precious metal, correct? Amen. Yes, absolutely. Sorry to make it so super simple. For me, that needs to be. So, um, you know, silver investments, which you also do uh, through our partnership at St. Joseph's Partners, obviously people can buy silver there as well, not only gold. And so silver has this great potential right now because of the, this. Is that correct? Absolutely. We, we think they're both very undervalued, whether you look at the price of the metals relative to debt, the price of the metals relative to the U.S.'s official backing. You look at the past um, trough to peak um, uh, moves that the metals have had. You look at current allocations. Western investors still have less than 1% of their assets in the metals, despite how late we are in the cycle, despite valuations. Um, so yes, we, we, we think while the number one reason to buy metal, gold and silver, is defense, meaning we, we suggest people you buy it for wealth preservation because the valuations of stocks and real estate, they're at such extraordinarily high levels already. History tells us when you invest at such a high valuation, the future returns are usually uninspiring at best, often really negative. In contrast, interest in gold is low. And we think that's going to be changing among Western investors as we see more and more of these data points coming out. Um, and, but we think, ironically, it's so ironic that what history shows in that gold has been such a defensive asset to protect your wealth. Ironically, we, we think we're moving into a period where it also has very attractive upside. Obviously, we can't guarantee anything, but we have all this data that suggests that's what's happened. And we had a really extraordinary event happen again this week that may resonate with a lot of the viewers. We had mentioned before that we have been seeing the most sophisticated Wall Street firms, Blackstone, BlackRock, giving back now it's in the billions of dollars of commercial real estate because they couldn't make it work. They have debts and as they roll over their debt at these rates, um, they're underwater and they, they don't see a way to make it economically feasible. And we just got another very public data point about that. Last week, the largest hotel in San Francisco, the Hilton Union Square, over 1,900 rooms, officially on the books at 1.2-ish billion dollars with over 50% called equity on the books, meaning officially the owners had you know, over half billion dollars of equity in that, of, of wealth, and they let it go. They let it go for nothing. They walked away and handed the keys to the hotel back because beneath the superficial uh, writings from their attorneys and their accountants and their, you know, whoever, their auditors, beneath all that superficial language was the reality that 
real estate has been artificially elevated by government purchases of bonds. And as that is starting to unwind, there's no reason to be there. You can't make these numbers work. So just think how that plays out because we see uh, over a trillion dollars in commercial real estate that is gonna to need to be refinanced in the coming years. And it's gonna be challenged because again, it's deals like the Union Square. These are not you know, one-off um, little projects. These are some of the most intensely scrutinized assets. You just can't make them work. And so people who have hidden in real estate because it's a real asset, it's tangible, and this isn't obviously all real estate, right? We're talking in this case, particularly commercial, but there are similar concerns about the valuations of residential real estate, but people who have hidden in that haven't really thought through that because bonds were artificially rich with $10 trillion of stimulus from the government, that stocks and real estate had been artificially propped up. And so they don't have, history's telling us with the data and the valuations, they don't have the protection to their wealth their retirements, like they may think conversely, the fact that those assets are trading at artificially rich levels means we, we believe gold and silver, which are inversely correlated, are actually very attractively valued right here. So those are the, the data points that we have seen that uh, we thought were some of the most significant since we last spoke and I wanted to update the audience with. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. What have you seen over time about gold and where we are today? Gold and silver, all precious metals, and where we are today. What indicators for you suggest that now is really high time for people to start paying attention to precious metals. Uh, and in my opinion, John Henry, I think we have a generational setup. And I use that word by choice, meaning this is a once in a generation type setup because all the factors that you consider, I think are lining up for the metals. So first of all, think back to what we discussed on our first program, the most important economic indicator in valuing stocks, bonds, and real estate are interest rates. Because when you discount those cash flows back, the higher interest rates or the higher inflation is, the less value your stocks, bonds, and your real estate have because the cash flows in the future won't be worth as much when you get them because of the higher inflation rate. So for most of our careers, for most of our careers, interest rates and inflation have been on a one-way decline. It started in 1980 and it didn't end until the COVID fiasco in March of 2021. So for literally a whole generation, rates and inflation were coming down. That meant multiples should have expanded. Well, what actually happened? In 1980, the S&P was trading the Standard Poor's uh, Index in the stock market. 
was trading at eight times earnings. By the time we hit 2021, that was depending on the, when you're looking, 50 times. So that's exactly what you would expect to happen. And although the market has receded, we're still at valuations that by many metrics are what were prior peak bubble valuations of the market. So they're still so rich. So we see this turn in rates and inflation as not being transitory or a few months, but being really problematic. Why? Because consider the money printing that's gone on and what you're seeing happening uh, again and again with countries like the UAE, you know, walking away from the dollar. As the purchasing power of the dollar decreases, that is not going to be conducive to bringing inflation down. So we think we are in the, in the early stages of problematic inflation that is going to be very positive for gold and silver and will reward investors for that. Then consider the choices, right? Because making it super simple, what is gold? Gold is money, period. It's not this asset, this commodity that doesn't have any real um, practicality. Gold is money. And as America's central bankers admitted, the head, head of the Fed, it is the world's premier currency, bar none. Nothing can compete against it, even the dollar. That's our Fed chairman, former Fed chairman Greenspan speaking. That's what we're seeing happening with the UAE and those other quotes that we referenced before, the central bankers moving towards that. So if gold is this money that is very constrained in supply and we have basically no allocations to it among Western investors, as the debts in these Western currencies increase, people are going to reach for gold. So we have this tight supply, the under allocation. We said rates are, you know, inflation is going to be um, sticky. And when you consider on a global basis that all the major currencies in the world now are really tracking towards either bankruptcy or the inability to pay their debts, whether you're talking about the US, Japan, Europe, Great Britain, China, we can't pay these debts down without cheapening the currency. So we have this synchronized um, move towards currency bankruptcies that is unprecedented in history, where we have, we're gonna have people from all over the world looking for what currency will protect their value. So that is extraordinary. And when you lastly consider how small gold is as a percentage of global wealth, so by virtually every investment bank's best estimates, gold is less than 1% of global wealth. So let's say you want to put 3% of your portfolio into gold. We would say history is clear, that's too low. But let's just say conceptually, Western investors wake up and they say, yeah, we want some gold as an uncorrelated wealth diversifier, wealth protector. It's not that you just then see the price of gold go up by 3% because the math as you play it through, these other assets they're getting out of are 99% of wealth versus gold 1%. It's a much bigger shift into gold. And the move in the gold price to accommodate that could be very, very interesting. So when you think about all the things, we think that this is an extraordinary um, setup 
that bodes well for gold as an asset diversifier in your portfolio. Okay. I'm going to probably butcher something, but you can clear it up for me. I had a friend who is an investor um, talk about something that exemplifies the staying power of gold versus uh, inflation and money devaluation, talking about U.S. currency. Talked about, I think, the 1920s when to buy a gentleman's suit was like five bucks. Today, that same gentleman's suit, uh, fine suit, is 1200 bucks. But back in the 1920s, it also cost one ounce of gold. Today, it still costs one ounce of gold. And it was just an example. Uh, of showing the staying power of gold versus the transitory power of the dollar. If you can clean up that example, but tell me if that still resonates. Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, John Henry. And so we may, someone who's buying a suit today may convert their gold into the currency of the day, whether it's dollars in the U.S. or Canadian dollars in Canada or euros. But if you have the gold, you have this currency to convert into that you can buy those goods. It has protected your wealth, whereas... If you had kept those paper dollars instead of holding physical gold back then, you'd have basically no purchasing power at all to speak of. And it's a great example. And what's so interesting, John Henry, the more people dig into gold and the history behind it and how it has simply worked, because finance is supposed to be about the data, no opinions, it just has worked. You can literally go back to manuscripts from ancient Greece and you can triangulate on what people were paid in the day's wages and what they, were, what they would pay for clothes. And you can see that, that the purchasing power of gold literally goes back to other civilizations and it has still um, remained intact, whereas basically any other financial asset you would have bought at that time would for all intents and purposes be worthless today. Now, one of the interesting things about silver versus gold is that it's a lot more affordable. Um, an ounce of gold it makes some people swallow and go, uh, okay, how are we going to do that? Yet silver is much more reasonable. Um, tell us about that. And you've mentioned already there's a great potential for silver, particularly now with the closure of that of that uh, mine in Mexico, the second largest one in the world. Uh, tell us about silver and its affordability. Yes. So if you think back, our, the founders of the United States were so brilliant. When they set up the Constitution in the United States, they did not put us on a gold standard because they appreciated, while what's good for gold is good for silver, they had very different attributes. And they made a very noble move to protect the working class. So that embedded in the Constitution is the direct statement, the only legal currency in this country shall be gold and silver. So gold more for bigger ticket items um, that is more easily transported, right? Um, silver, however, has to do with wages. So if you had someone working in the fields or today working in the factory, if you paid them in silver, it was a currency for day-to-day -day living, but it was a currency that would protect the worker. And because silver, again, protects value, it is a money. And if you look at, again, the results, you know, look at the data, look at what happened. When workers were paid in silver, meaning they could take their paycheck from the factory and they could convert it into real silver, while that was in place, the American working class was the envy of the world because 
they weren't financially sophisticated, right? But they would go to the factory, they'd come home, they would be saving in silver, and it would preserve value. And that was the case up until 1963, when LBJ did a horrible thing and destroyed the silver backing of the Constitution. Up to that point, anybody, again, could come in and exchange their paycheck for silver. And if you look at what's happened to the middle class since 63, it has been decimated. It has been decimated because these no one sent out the working class this warning that the Constitution has now been broken, that you're no longer going to be paid in a currency that is silver, that has protected wealth for centuries, and no one knew. And none of the middle class knew. And that was a big thing of what happened. So we would suggest that really investors want both. They want both. It depends on the investor's particular preferences. We talk them through that and what is most important to them. But you do want both because um, if you think back again to what history shows us, 100 years ago this year, John Henry, very interesting how history rhymes. 100 years ago this year, Germany, Weimar, entered the year and the gold mark had lost, I'm sorry, the, the, the mark, the German mark had lost value relative to what was called a gold mark. So basically, you could take your paper mark, your paper currency in Germany, and exchange it for a gold mark, a gold coin. A few years before 1923, that ratio was 5 to 1, 8 to 1, 10 to 1, very close. By the time we entered 1923, it was already over 1,000, call it maybe 2,000 to 1. Sound familiar? By the end of 1923, you needed trillions of paper marks to exchange for the value of one gold mark. As the debts became unpayable, wow. the value of the paper compressed and the relative value of gold and silver exploded. When that process matured, what the European leaders said they needed most to restart their economy was small form silver. Why? Because that was a currency that day-to-day -day transactions could be done. And so think about it, John Henry. If we're in Germany 100 years ago and you're selling steaks and I come into you and I say, hey, John Henry, I want to buy some steak. And that's why you're in business. And you have, a, you have an inventory that is, um, that is perishable, right? But if I pull out 20,000 paper marks, you're thinking to yourself, do I really... Do I really want to take these paper marks that are on their way to worthlessness? What can I take? I got to sell these things. What can I take? And what the European leaders understood was they needed to get small form silver into the hands of the people. So then I could come in to John Henry and I could say, hey, here's some silver coins. And you would gladly take the silver for your stakes because you knew you're getting paid something that's going to preserve value and you're doing business, which is what you wanted to do. And so um, history suggests that um, silver is an ideal currency for wages and for day-to-day -day transactions. If you look at it today too, John Henry, silver is the only asset that we can find on the planet that is still trading below its 1980 peak. And that's significant because we talked about this inflationary cycle and the, and the, the declining interest rate cycle that lasted from 1980 to 2021 right? Every other asset, when you look at the 1980 level, is trading well above that price. Silver is the only one we can find that's trading right now at about half its 1980 price. Meanwhile, hmm. 
demand for silver is exploding in that it is needed for uh, cell phones, for laptops, for um, hybrid car batteries, for electric vehicles, for basically anything that the world thinks of as next gen, gen energy needs silver, yet it's still mm -hmm. trading so cheap. So um, we suggest that um, as investors deepen their allocations and again, to understand more and more about metals, they, they want some of each. Beautiful. Drew, any final thoughts for us? You know, John Henry, we hear clients coming back now and telling us that they're actually, when they travel overseas, are finding, these are American clients, finding increasing resistance to being able to use their dollars if they're, in, if they're trying to use cash. People don't want them. So these are all signs that speak to an urgency. I'm not saying panic, but when all these data points are lining up, I would submit to you, you don't want the remorse of saying to yourself, you know, I really saw all this coming, but I didn't do anything. I didn't take any action. We think we just encourage you, take action. It's actually a very easy process. We're happy to step you through every part of that journey, make it as easy as we can, whether it's for a retirement account or however you want to frame it. But be ready because we never know when that inflection point is going to happen. And if you have an allocation of the metals and you know, the feds and the other central banks are able to bubblegum things together for a, a while longer, that's okay. This is your hedge. But you don't want to be in a situation where you didn't have a hedge and all you had was correlated assets with tons of dollar exposure that the world's walking away from and have remorse like people did in Britain the last time there was a sole reserve currency who didn't diversify because then it can take literally a generation to get back to where you were when it's so easy to protect wealth and gold today. Drew Mason, so good to be with you. Um, folks, click the link below or the link you see on the screen here. This is where to go to uh, fulfill your needs and protect your families. God bless you, Drew, and thank you so much. Thank you, John Henry. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect